Isaiah 9, 2 to 7. Let's read it. 9, 2 to 7. I'm going really, to read it really slowly because it's so beautiful. And the message that I'm going to be teaching comes out of this section. So let's go to verse 2. The people who what? Walk in what? Darkness. They have seen a great light. Those who what? Dwell in a land of what? Deep darkness. On them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they're glad when they divide the spoil. In other words, the gains. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder. The rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. They were oppressed, family. They were burdened. But look at this promise. You have broken as on the day of Midian. The day of Midian was a battle where only 300 people, guided by God, defeated a whole army. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood, will be burned as fuel for the fire. And everything, family, will start by what's going to happen on verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the seal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you so much for giving us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to believe. But I also pray, Father, that you will give us a mind. The mind of Christ to hold on the confession of our hope. But also, Father, hold on every thought captive. As you are still breaking strongholds, setting the captives free. Father, I pray that your spirit will move, minister, and your word will come into our hearts and there will be life, fruits out of it. We love you so much. And Father, I thank you for this new season. Father, thank you so much for what you did in Mexico City. Thank you so much for their generosity, Lord. Lord, they were faithful, they were obedient, and you used that faithfulness and obedience to change people's life. And Lord, take your gospel to different countries and continents and for that we give you praise and glory as we go back father to vegas lord we want to be servants workmanships be used so your name will be glorified thank you so much father we pray these things in your name amen, amen. you guys can sit down so advent means arrival and we are um, 
celebrating the arrival of, of a person, and that person is Jesus. Uh, these next couple of weeks, it's an opportunity for two things. And I hope that you can take this to your houses, to your homes, with your families. Because it's, it's important. The first thing is to reflect. To reflect and meditate on the arrival uh, of our Savior Jesus. He came and dwelt among us. And the second thing that we're going to do during this Advent season, which is really important, we're going to join in expectation of when he will come back again. Because that's what, where hope comes, from a right, correct expectation. So the title of today's message is, Jesus is the Advent of Hope. In other words, Jesus is the arrival of hope. And as we read Isaiah 9, 2 to 7, Israel, the nation of Israel, waited for the promise of Christ's arrival since the beginning. If you read scripture, since the beginning there was a, a God who will, through the prophets and through the law, tell the people of Israel, there is a promise, there is a Messiah, there is a Savior who will rescue you, who will redeem you, who will make all things new. So Israel waited for this promise from the beginning. And, and the promise served as a constant light of hope throughout the time. The Bible is composed of books, but there is thousands of years. Thousands of years written here of history. And you can see that generation after generation... From king to king, from prophet to prophet, from century to century, in every high and in every low, there was a lot of low moments for Israel. This promise serves as a constant light of hope, as a constant push, push for hope. And it's really important that as believers, we have an anchor. As you move forward, as you do life and as you try to finish life well, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows. There's going to be seasons, there's going to be death, there's going to be life. There's going to be happiness, there's going to be tragedies, that's life. It's really important that as Israel had a promise that serves as a beacon of life, a constant beacon of light, we as believers, as we walk in life into the future, we have something or more than anything, someone to look at. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus' arrival. He came on earth. He dwelt among us. He dwell among us. And, and the good news is because of the gospel, not only he dwelt among us, but now he dwells in us. And it's the spirit of God who will testify of the son, who will remind us what's that place, who's that person that we can count on in the highs and in the lows. Because the truth of the matter is hopes, hope moves. Hope moves. A lot of us, 
are not moving because we have no what? Hope. Hope. Or a lot of us are just maybe stuck. We're going in despair or are hopeless because there is no hope. Or your future might not seem that bright. So you're depressed, you're discouraged. And I want to say something really important. The first thing that I want to say to us is the timing of God's promises are always perfect. Please remember this. The timing of God's promises are always perfect. Whenever God gives you a word, Whenever in your, or in your time of scripture you, you, you receive a promise from God. Whenever on Sundays Pastor Derek teaches and there is a promise of God. Whenever you, 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 you meditate on scripture and there is a promise to believe that it's for you, specifically for you. The timing of God's promises are always what? Perfect. The timings and the promise too. But look at it. In one of the darkest periods of Israel, this promise was given. Isaiah 9, verse 2 to 7. This promise was given in one of the darkest periods of Israel. There was division. The nation was divided. And and as we enter 2024, and I'll tell you something. Praise God that I was not here the last three years. But I was able to see from afar. And if there is something that I can tell you that has happened in the last three years as we head into the future, is that I see a nation divided. Is that I see homes divided is that I see churches divided. This promise was given in one of the darkest periods of Israel. The kingdom was divided. Not only that, but they were about to face invasion. The promise was given and later on, they were going to be invaded. And let's be honest. Are we ready for next year? (laughs) Do we know what's going to happen next year? But we should learn from history. So we can get ready. And literally walk in hope. So we're anchored. So we're unmovable. So we're firm. So instead of division, we bring unity. So instead of hate, we bring love. So instead of darkness, we are light. So instead of confusion, we bring clarity. So instead of acting like the world, we can be a beacon of light to the world as we're rooted in Christ. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. I have learned something. Whenever God gives you a promise, it gets worse after. (laughs) So the prophet was given in a really dark time for Israel. And also the promise was, the promise arrived in a dark period for Israel. There was 400 years of silence. No prophets, no scriptures being written. 
Think about it. He gives a promise, and then 400 years of what? Silence. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you have walked a season without hearing God's voice. And you are hopeless, desperate. Not only that, but they were under the dominion of Rome. But if there is something that we can know about God, is that the timing of God's promises are always what? Perfect. So why are God's promises given in what seems the wrong time? Right? Because God's promises, which are written in the Bible, which are given to you, listen to me, they're supposed to be trusted and hoped for. Whenever God gives you a promise, whenever God gives you a promise, it's supposed to be given so you can trust it and hope for. Regardless of the context. Because usually, let's learn. Whenever there's a promise, things get what? Not that great. There's a waiting season. And that's the other thing. God's promises are supposed to be trusted and hoped for. Hope for means expected. I expect in that. Regardless of the context and regardless of the waiting. Oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Because you get a word from God. You get a promise. We see the promises, specifically that promise that was given to Israel, the arrival of the king. And you might have like one or two days believing it. Right? That's how we are. We're like a rocket. We turn it on and then and if. That's how we, our faith might be. Gives us, God gives us a promise and there's one day, one Sunday. I'm all excited. The Monday something happens and like I'm already like, Lord, what's happening? I don't even know. Okay, are, are, you, are you here? Are you speaking to me? God's promises are supposed to be what? Trusted and hoped for, expected with confidence and gladness and assurance. Regardless of the context. Regardless of what's going to happen tomorrow. Regardless of what's going to happen tonight, regardless of the waiting period, regardless of the waiting period. Because God tells you just wait, not how long. God's promises are supposed to be trusted and hoped for. So what's hope? What's hope? It's really important that we define hope. And let's see how we're doing with hope. And let's see that we might be missing out on hope. Because there's benefits of living in hope. There's benefits. If I want to know something, if you want to know something about hope, hope moves you. Hope has the power to move you. Despair has the power to move you, but, but, but towards death. Towards fear. Hope would always move you towards Christ. Hope would always move you towards light. Hope would always move you to an everlasting life with Jesus. Hope would always move you to an abundant life. Hope would always move you to an abundance of joy and confidence. Regardless of the context. Regardless of the waiting. 
So hope is a joyful and confident expectation. Of what? Of what's on your mind? No. Because we might get despair, distress, discouraged, depressed. Not because God's not faithful, but because your expectations, it's what you are expecting. Your ideas. Things that are on your mind and God, well, God is like, I never promised you that. That's not even in my word. And by the way, you're not even trusting it. You're not even believing it. Hope is a what? Joyful. Joy comes from the Lord. Joy comes from a person. Joy comes when you're fully resting on the only one that is sure about tomorrow, Jesus. Hope is, a, and also the fact that you're going to get what he said he's going to give you. Wouldn't be sad to actually like have a God that will say, oh, I'm giving you this, but then you find out that he's not giving it to you? That's not our God. What he said that he promised, he's faithful to deliver it. And we have proof of that. So hope is a joyful and what? Confident. Without wavering. And, and you, ha- you will have to fight your mind. Because as, as God gives you a promise, context is going to change. Circumstances are going to uh, come. The enemy, the enemy knows when that promise is given to you. So he's going to do everything in his power so you waver. So, so you detour your mind. And that's where actually hope falls in, the, in its place. You have to fight. Hold on. Hold on to that promise that God gives you. So hope is a joyful and confident expectation of what God has promised. So what's the anchor of our hope? What's the thing that holds our hope? It's not a thing. It's someone. It's Jesus. So listen to me. He came over 2,000 years ago. He came. There's proof that he dwelt among us. He was the promise given to Israel. It is finished. It did happen. So our hope is anchored not on a thing, not on an idea, but on a person. And that person already did what he promised he was going to do. That's why you have to look back at what already has happened. We have the Bible, we have history, and we have a thousand and a million of lives changes by people who have put their trust and hope in Jesus. Look at history. Look at history. Look at what happened and what's written about the people that actually hope in Jesus, pray to Jesus, trusted in Jesus. They will tell you, The best ally to prayer, the best ally to hope is history. We can look back at history and see what happens to those who hope in Jesus. It goes well. It goes well. So, when Jesus' birth happened, it was a loud message to the people 
during that time. It was a loud mes message to them that will say what you hoped for, what you waited for, what you were expecting is what? Is here. And I love the fact that Jesus met many individuals where he personally said what you hoped for, what you waited for is here, is me. It's right here, flesh and bones. I can imagine, for example, the life of Simeon, a really old man who the Spirit of God revealed to him. He was really old. He was about to die. He was a man that was waiting on this promise. And the, on this promise, and the Spirit of God revealed to him, hey, you will see the Messiah before you die. And I can imagine what he felt when at his last days of life, he actually was able to see who he was waiting for. What would that do to someone's heart? That's the best gift that anyone can give. He actually lived his whole life living for that moment. And I hope that's us, that we're living for that moment. That all of, all of the stuff that we do, all the days that we live, we're living for that moment. For that moment that we will see face to face Jesus. And that we will say it was worth it. It was worth it. All the crying, all the waiting, all the suffering, all the praying, all the intercession, all the holding on. It was worth it. And you know what? It will be Jesus the one affirming you. Say good and faithful servant. Because we see testimonies like that man, Simeon. Oh, I can imagine that morning. The Spirit revealed to him, you will see him before you die. Now, let's get to a more famous character, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, I mean, like, just blessed to actually be the one that introduced the Messiah, the prophets of prophets. But he has his moments. Remember, like, he, he, he got to introduce the Messiah, and then he got in trouble for the Messiah because he would teach and preach a message of repentance. He would teach, look, think about it. The Messiah has arrived. This is the man that will forgive sins but also bring an everlasting life. That, yeah, you might be baptized with water, but this man will baptize you with fire. And it's true, there is, this message is about death and life. And, and this guy was so committed that he will, man, he was bold in his preaching. And his preaching got him in trouble and he was thrown in jail, about to get beheaded. Think about it. Was his hope challenged? Yeah. Yeah. We, I hope we never, we're never in a situation like that. Where you're wondering, like, was, was it worth it? Was following Jesus worth it? I mean, I don't see a, a, an end to this. And, and as he was in prison, he sent two disciples or his disciples to ask Jesus, please can you ask Jesus, are, are you the one, are, are you the Messiah or, or should we wait or hope for another one? Should we hope? And, and Jesus didn't rebuke him. And I, I don't know the history. This is my opinion. But think about it. He never got to see Jesus again. And as he was waiting to be beheaded, 
the disciples go, and Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Oh, how dare you? How dare you to question me? He knows we're humans. He knows being faithful is hard. Right? You're here and you, you're here because you're, you're just holding on to Jesus. You're, you're not the greatest believer. I'm not the greatest. The only greatest one is Jesus. And, and, and I can imagine like John the Baptist being in the cell, about to be beheaded. He sends those men hoping to get a hoping to get the response that his heart wanted to hear. And Jesus tells the man, tells the guys, please tell you on what you see. The blind are seen. The demon possessed are free. And the death are coming to life. I can't imagine what it did to John the Baptist's heart. Where he died. He was not, not going to f- get free from that. He died. He, get be- he got beheaded. But I don't know what it did to his heart to hear those words from his disciples. He told me to let you know what, what is happening. The death are coming to life. Or I can imagine the Samaritan woman where she was an outcast. It was obvious. She goes into the well and she meets Jesus without her knowing that that was the Messiah. And during the conversation, things got a little bit deeper and he and she asks or says to the Messiah, hey, when the Messiah comes, he will explain everything. See? Hoping Hey, when the Messiah comes, he will explain everything. And Jesus will say, I am he who speaks. And I hope that that's the assurance that you're hoping for. Not a second level assurance, but a first level assurance. That he will assure you. Hey, I'm making all things new. You have finished the race well. I am eternal life. That will be the greatest moment for those who hope for those who hope in the Lord. Amen. So hope is a joyful and confident what? Expectation of what God has promised. And there's something beautiful about hope. Hope will allow you to have peace in the waiting. Our life, listen, our life, our ultimate goal, it's not here. It's not here. It's in the next life. So our life, it's a lot about what? Waiting. While the world lives in the present, don't think about tomorrow, and the only life they have is the one that is in front of them. And they have no idea that there's more to life after death. And they might look at us like crazy. They might look at us like weirdos. They might look at us like it doesn't make sense with the life. But 
we know that our life is about what waiting. So hope, hope will allow you to have peace in the waiting. Really important. So how is your Christian walk? Is it a, a walk of anxiety? Is it a walk of depression? Is it a walk of despair? Is it a walk of confusion? Is it, a, is it a walk of anxiety, stress, you name it? Is it a life of once, 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 once? Or is it a life of peace in the waiting? He is with us, He's for us. He has given us His Holy Spirit. Let's never forget that. So, now, what, what, what does this message have to do with us? I have good news. In the darkness of our current days, in the darkness of what we're going to see next year, because we can't be just naive and think that next year is going to be what? Perfect. I mean, just take a look what's coming up next year. In the darkness of our current days, this is good news for us and should be good news for the world because they're going to need to look for an answer that it's outside of this world, that is outside of themselves. It's a great opportunity next year. Are you ready? Are you ready? Next year is a great opportunity that your life can provide a different answer that will hold our lives. So in the darkness of our current days, the light of Jesus is still bringing hope. And I'm not talking just about non-believers. To you, if you're a believer, we go through seasons. We get discouraged. We fail. We get tired. How many times in the lowest and darkest moments of your life this year, the light of Jesus shone over you? And that's why you're here. That's why you're still here. That's why you're still here. So if he did it, he will do it again. If he did it, he will do it again. So in the darkness of our current days, the light of Jesus is still bringing what? Hope. A joyful and confident expectation. That expectation that moves us closer to the finish line. Closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus. So I have three questions for you. As you come today, as you prepare for Advent season... Are you heavy? Are you burdened for what's behind you? In other words, are you currently being burdened, being heavy, being oppressed by your past? How are you coming today? Are you currently worried, burdened, heavy for your past? His death and resurrection are the beacon of true hope. His death pay for your past sins, for your present sins, for your future sins, for a lot of, all of your sins. Because a lot of us, we might be stuck. We might be dwelling in the past because of, because of a big sin that you still can't believe that Jesus can forgive you. Or that the enemy 
is bringing you to your mind, to your memory. That's what he does. Satan is great at using the past because he doesn't know the future. He's great at using your witnesses. He's, he knows what you did, so he will bring those things in the context of fear, in the context of condemnation, in the context of guilt. Why? So you can get stuck in the past, so you can dwell in the past, so you can dictate your present and your future with your past. And that's not okay. I have a word for you. His death and resurrection are the beacon of true hope. His death, listen to me, the death of, the, of, of Jesus, the death of Jesus Christ, pay for every sin, small or great. Pay for all of your sins. They are paid at the cross. The righteous was hung for the unrighteous. The perfect one was hung for the imperfect one. All the sins are paid on the cross. So there is no reason for the enemy to bring your past to you. To have a list of see what you did. You have to take on your mind and say no. My God is created. My God is dead. Pay for my sins. So I am forgiven. That's my identity. I am forgiven. Past, present, and future. So I'm not going to dwell in the past. And the other thing it's really important. The resurrection of Jesus Christ took off the power and dominion of Satan over sin and death on your life. So you're free, Christ. He was exposed. But if you don't hope, if you don't expect on the promises of God, that's your problem because that's what the enemy is using. He's using your default. He's using your lack of ability of what? Of expecting what is true, what is right, what is pure. So if you don't take hold of the confession of your hope, you're going to be wavering. You're going to be staying in the past. Let me tell you something. The only thing that should impact your present, should impact your future about the past, is that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came on the earth, lived a perfect life, and the promise was given, I am God incarnate. I'm going to die on the cross for your sin, and I'm going to defeat sin and death on the resurrection. That's the only thing that should impact your present and your future. The fact that you're forgiven, the fact that he's for you, the fact that you're loved, the fact fact that you're accepted, the fact that he's greater than your heart, greater than the enemy. Don't let the past rule your present and your future. The only thing that happened in the past that should impact your present and your future is the arrival of Jesus. Right? So I have a word for you. I'm going to paraphrase it. It's on Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Forget about the old things. Forget about the former things. Do not dwell in the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it is sprung, springs forth. See the question. Do you not perceive it? Do you see it? Do you see what's ahead? Do you see what's ahead? Are you seeing what God sees? Are you expecting what God is asking you to expect? Let me tell you something. If you don't forget about the past, you will not be able to see what's in front of you. And that might be the thing that is keeping you stuck, depressed, in the same habits, in addictions. Forget about the past. Don't dwell in the past. 
Because your past, your present, and your future was secure when Jesus hung on that cross. And when Jesus resurrected from the dead. So are you heavy for what's behind you? There is an answer. God is encouraging us. And he's giving us a promise. Hey, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of all. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In this new thing, family, it will blow your mind. It will blow your heart. It's supernatural. Allow God to be God in your life. Allow God. Don't limit God to your past. Don't limit God to your mind. Because he says, I, I will make a way in the wilderness. And I, I love this phrase. And rivers in the desert. You guys live in the desert. It's impossible. Welcome to our God. He's the God of the impossible. He's the God of the impossible. You might, you might be a big mess in the past, but God's grace can tell a completely different story. That's our God. If, if you don't limit him. If you don't limit him. That's our God. It's, it's God's grace that I'm here standing. It's God's grace that I'm here standing. It's God's grace that you're part of the family. And there's much more that he can do and will do in you through you. So... Are you heavy for what's behind you? Forget about the past. Don't dwell in the past. Maybe today is the day that you might be free from, starting, from, from keeping to interpretate your present and your future according to your past, according to a failure, according to a voice, according to fear, according to condemnation. The second question is, are you heavy for what's before you? In other words, are you heavy for what's ahead of you? In other words, are you worried about 2024? Not, not only on what's going to happen in the country, but let's just talk about like your job, your marriage, your family, your, your health, like, your, your, like not even the big picture, but the small picture. Are, are you heavy about what's ahead of you? Jesus Christ, the fact that he came over 2,000 years ago, it's an assurance, it's an insurance, it's a confidence that he who promised can perform. In other words, that he who promised is able to deliver. God is reliable. We have a reliable God. We can count on him. In other words, he's faithful. He has shown through centuries that he's faithful. And he will be faithful tomorrow. He will be faithful in a year. And he will be faithful until the end. The Bible says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. In other words, hold fast, what, hold fast dear in your heart and in your mind what you're expecting. So the question is, what are you expecting? The truth of the matter. Do a research on your mind. What are you expecting? Is what you're expecting what God is asking you to expect? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. 
That's why I touched the other point. We have to get rid of the past. We have to forget the past because the past is like that push that wants to get us on detour. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? Faithful. You have a whole book to eat up the promises of God for you. You have a whole book to live unto the promises of God. And you have history on your side. You have the Bible on your side to be reliable. And the most important, we have Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. It happened. It changed millions of people's lives. It changed history. So, so he who promises what? Faithful. He's reliable. So don't worry about tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. God does. But the other thing is, He will hold you tomorrow. He will be your provider tomorrow. He will be your father tomorrow. He will be your light and your salvation tomorrow. He will provide mercies tomorrow. What about the next day? He will be your father in two days. He will be, we can go on and on. He who is, he who promised is faithful. And the last question I have for you, as we talk about hope, as we talk about Jesus being the advent of hope, are you heavy for what's inside of you? In other words, the biggest problem is happening on the inside. In other words, you don't like what you are seeing inside. You have had a rough year. And you're a little bit scared of the things that are coming out of what you. You don't like what's coming outside from you. It might be anger. It might be pride. It might be loss. It might be confusion. It might be you name it and you don't like it. I have good news for you. And this is not only for unbelievers, but also for believers. Because we see in Scripture that men and women of God also had bad days, also had low days. Are you heavy for what's inside of you? His arms are wide open today as an invitation to come to him as you are. Today, his arms are wide open. He knows you. He's not scared of your sin. He's not scared of your failure. He's not scared of what you have done. He's not scared of what you think. He's greater. He's greater. And he knows you. And he loves you. And when you come to him, you experience mercy and grace. You experience forgiveness. You experience life where there is none. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Look at where he has shown, has shown in our hearts. Where, family? Where? In our hearts. In your darkest places in your heart, he has what? Shown the light of the knowledge 
of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So your sin, your addiction, your past, your failure, I have good news. God is greater. And he is today with his arms wide open, ready to, for you to come. Ready for you to come and live with hope. Maybe get rid of your past. Maybe get rid of a sin. Maybe when I say get rid, it's confess it. He will, he will cleanse that. He will get rid of that and he will give you his life. He will give you his strength. And he will give you a mind for you to expect great things. And for you to expect the most beautiful thing. He's coming again. Hope is a joyful and confident expectation that our rescuer and redeemer is what? Coming again. But we have to take it with joy and confidence. Let's pray. And I want to make an invitation. Because maybe you needed to come today. Because today might be the day that finally you make a decision. Because God has paid the price to forget about the past and not dwell in the past. And then don't let the things of the past dictate your present and your future. And listen, and grab on. And grab on to a promise where you can expect that it will come through. And that promise it's what's going to give you joy and confidence. And it's going to allow you to move with hope. Hope gets you unstuck. Hope gets you what? Unstuck. Hope is the opportunity for a new beginning. Are we thankful for Jesus?